0: You can have a seat here and thanks for watching. We are continuing in our series of messages called Rock Solid. And the goal of this series is that we would be aiming for a strong, rock solid life, especially in the times that we're living today. Last week, the title was Let your time count. It's important to make every day count, to make every hour count, to make every minute count, to make even every second count. As it says in Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time for the days are evil. We don't have forever on this earth. We will have forever on the other side. But here and now, We have a short window of opportunity, a short window of time, and we are the stewards of that time, meaning we get to use the time God gives us, and He will take an account of us. He will someday say, hey, good and well done, you good and faithful servant, or not so well done, but it's about the time, about the life here on earth, The way we use it, that is key. So, let your time count was last week. And today, this message actually, I'm calling it living like there's no tomorrow. So these two messages actually go hand in hand, let your time count, and living like there's no tomorrow. Now think about this with me, tomorrow, tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Tomorrow is the day after, Today, right? And uh, yesterday we said tomorrow and we meant today. And tomorrow is no guarantee. We don't have the guarantee for tomorrow, but we have a suspicion that it will come. We don't have a guarantee that it will come, but we kind of actually expect tomorrow to come. Why? Why? because today came (laughs) and yesterday was. So we kind of assume tomorrow comes. There's actually a song. If tomorrow never comes, will you know that I love you? It's a country music song. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's kind of cool. It's about a love for a woman. If tomorrow never comes, will she know I really loved her? (laughs) You've heard of that, I'm sure. So, living like there's no tomorrow, we don't have the guarantee that tomorrow comes, but we kind of assume that it will. Isn't that true? Because today came and yesterday was, and we just expect one day to come after another. Because the days are coming and going and coming and going, we say way too often. I will do it tomorrow. That's something we definitely say way too often. I will do it tomorrow. We are counting on the fact that the days or many tom- many tomorrows, many, many, many tomorrows will keep on coming. So tomorrow is a very elusive word and a very elusive thought. We just presume or assume that we have never-ending tomorrows. Lots and lots of tomorrows are still coming. Now, when you're two days old, tomorrow is half your life. I mean, when I was a little boy, when I was a young boy or young man, like time took forever. Do you remember that? Especially when I had to go to school. You know? The time would not go. The time would not pass. Time was forever. And now at almost 50, I'm like, where is time going? Right? Now, this was for me personally, and my fam- my wife agrees with me, this was the shortest summer ever for us. Summer is over. We have end of August. Next week, basically, in a week from now, we got school back here in Austria. And Many places in the world, school starts back in September, so this was really, really short summer for me. And the days come and go, and it goes so fast, doesn't it? See, when we are young, time goes slow. When we get older, time goes very fast. Because the longer we live, the faster it goes, and the faster it goes, and we have less days ahead. We have less tomorrows coming. But the older you become, The more you must make sure that your time counts, that you are living like there is no tomorrow. I think I told you last week that my school teacher uh, actually was 29 years old and we were like 13 years old or so. And we like she was really, really pretty. She was really pretty. And actually, some of us boys fell in love with our teacher because, you know, we were like entering puberty. She was 29. She was a pretty teacher. She was nice. She was so nice. And one day she told us, it's my birthday and I'm 29. And we thought, oh my gosh, that is old. <laughs> you don't have so many days ahead of you, Right? Today, she could be my daughter at 29, so my teacher at 29, I thought she was old. My parents beyond 40 or around 40 when I was a teenager, they were really old. 40 was old. 40 looks pretty good today, I would say. 40 sounds really good today. 49 sounds good too. I'm just so happy to be alive and to be able to use my life for God's glory. But my grandparents, they were stone age. And at that time, (laughs) they were only around 60. 60! And I thought, man, she, grandma is old. Grandpa is old. Right? You know what I mean? This kind of reminds me of a joke. Uh, the, The little boy went to his grandfather, said, Grandpa, were you on the ark noah's ark were you on noah's ark (laughs) he says no why would why would you think i was on noah's ark well how how else did you survive the flood (laughs) thinking he was so old you know thinking so he lived back then that's kind of funny but we have to get serious about today because tomorrow which is also in the song, Tomorrow May Never Come. And the truth of the matter is very, very simply this. One day, there will be no more tomorrows. There won't be. I mean, uh, you may have one day left. You may have 10,000 days left. Now, if you get to be 90 years old, you will have lived around 30,000 days. Not that much. 30,000 days. Ten years is about 3,650 days. That's nothing. So the truth of the matter, one day there will be no tomorrows left. And my question to myself today and to you and to you watching is, how would you live today if you had no more tomorrows? Or if you realized you don't have many tomorrows left at all? How will you live in light of the fact that tomorrow will never or may never come. That's very important. I believe the text we will look at today out of 1 Peter chapter 4 is teaching us exactly that. And I want to invite you to read with me. First Peter chapter 4. Last week we actually read verses 1 through 6, and the message was um, make your time count, or let your time count. And today, we're going to read verses 7 through 11. 7, 11. 7 through 11. Five verses about living like there's no tomorrow. Now, let's read this together. "The The end of all things is near. Therefore. Therefore means we need to read the first sentence again. The end of all time is near. Therefore. Why? Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to Him, to Jesus Christ, be the glory and the power forever and ever. Now, this passage is really, really important. Almost every word in this passage is important it's all important it's it is so dense it's so rich in truth we're going to look at three things we should do three things we should do in light of knowing there may not be a tomorrow or there may not be that many tomorrows as we think and we're getting older and time is moving on time is ticking faster than we realize but before we do that i'm gonna give you three powerful things We should do. He's talking about the end times. Did you get that? Verse 7 begins, The end of all things is near, or coming soon. The end of all things is coming soon. The end of all things is near, or the King James Version, I think, says, The end of all things is at hand. At hand or near are coming soon now i have to admit something to you i'm not a big fan of too much end time youtube videos <laughs> you know what i mean you see it's end times and people who are always watching end times i'm not a big fan of that but in october i'll be teaching on wednesday nights through the book of daniel and actually in october we will start on sundays to teach or preach actually through the book of Revelation. So I'm gonna do a combo, Sunday Revelation and Wednesday night, um, the book of Daniel. So end times is important, but we have to realize that none of us know all things about the end times. See, it's so funny sometimes to me how there's one guy saying this about something in the book of Revelation. Another guy says the same thing or or says something totally different with the same uh, dogmatic attitude. Well, somebody's got to be wrong, right? And in heaven, when we're with Jesus, our end-time eschatology, it's called, end-time beliefs will all be corrected. (laughs) One thing is for sure, Jesus is coming again. He came once, and he'll come a second time. That's a fact. But here's something very important I want you to think about. I think it's by design that we do not know everything about the end times. Now think about this. When Jesus came for the first time, it says actually, in, I think in one of the Corinthian letters, Paul said, if the devil or the kingdom of darkness, would have known, they would not have crucified the Lord. So they knew something about Jesus, but the devil didn't know everything because if he would have known, he would have not crucified him. Because when Satan thought he won, he actually lost. When Satan thought he now beat Jesus, Jesus actually crushed his head so why is that see the old testament is full of prophecy towards jesus it's all in there it is all in there but it's not all in there in one piece of literature it's like a puzzle see the old testament preaches jesus but you have to put the pieces together And that's kind of what I believe about the book of Revelation or the end times. It's by design that God says, I'm not going to show everything, because if I tell everything, the devil will know. But there is a secret. And it's by design that nobody really knows everything about the end of the world. The tribulation, the so-called rapture, or whatever but what do we all know Jesus is Lord Jesus came once Jesus will come again we know that for a fact but how exactly it will go down we do not know everything we know a lot of things we can know a lot of things but the secrecy of all this or this symbolic language this cryptic language in the book of Revelation and other books in the Bible, I believe, is on purpose. We can discover a lot of it. Because when we know the Old Testament, when we know the symbols, we can we can identify the symbols in the book of Revelation, but the devil doesn't know everything, and it's good that he doesn't. Because if he know if he knew everything, then that would not be good for the plan of God. So don't ever trust anyone who says, I figured the book of Revelation out 100%. <laughs> Don't believe a bit of it. There are so many good theologians who have different views on the book of Revelation that differ from the others. They all love Jesus. They're all going to heaven to be with him. They all believe he will come again. They all believe in a new heaven and a new earth, but they have different beliefs in certain things about what's before he comes, right? I think that's by design. So what should we really do in view of the end times? Should we discuss? Should we fight uh, different opinions? Of course not. That's not the, the thing we should do. We should concentrate on the things we know. And in Revelations 22 verse 20, which is the last verse before the last verse. So next to the last verse, Jesus said, "Yes, I'm coming again soon." Now, here's a problem. Peter said it, Paul said it, Jesus said it, John said it. They all said Jesus is coming soon. The problem is they said it almost 2000 years ago. Now, if they said it 2000 years ago, what's the end times? Here's what you have to understand. Biblically speaking, the end times is the time between between Jesus' first coming and second coming. It's called the church age. And that's actually the time where the last chapter of world history is being written, where you and I are part of the church of Jesus Christ. So that's very important. So he says in Revelations 22:20. 20, to 20 yes, I'm coming soon, or yes, I'm coming soon, and then the last verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. See, have you ever heard about the Chronicles of Narnia? The movie and the books, and there's this lion figure who's actually, his name is Aslan, yeah, and Lucy, and him, Lucy is one of the humans, have a conversation. And Aslan said to her, Lucy, don't be sad. I'm we'll see each other again soon. And Lucy said, Aslan, the Christ figure, what exactly do you mean by soon? And the lion said, With me all times are soon. With Jesus, all times are soon. It's always near because it says in one of the uh, uh, other letters of of Peter, it says, with God, one day is like a thousand years, and the thousand years is like one day. So, with Jesus, with God, all times are soon. But are we in the last days? Yes. Are we getting closer to the very end? Of course, because we are every day getting closer to Christ coming back. So the end time, don't forget this, please. The end time is the time between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. They didn't all know who he was when he came the first time, and every eye will see him when he comes the second time. But it's cryptic. It is kind of hidden apocalyptic because God's not going to show everything. But one thing is for sure. Jesus comes, he's the way, and he will build his kingdom on the earth. There'll be a new heaven, new earth, new paradise for all eternity. The garden of Eden is coming back. Like the paradise is coming back. That's the final goal. The, The garden of Eden was small, but the new Heaven and new earth will be a huge paradise. Hallelujah. With a new capital city, Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. So, heaven will kiss earth, so to speak. See, I wanna get your focus away from all this doom and gloom end time stuff. Will there be doom and gloom? Yes, there'll be part of that. Of course, there will be. And we're living in hard times. Do you agree? But God is always good. God is good all the time. I knew that was coming. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. See, the problem is when we get that mixed up. See, a lot of people believe life should be good, and if it's not, God is bad or or disappoints us. But the truth is, life is hard, but God is good. Do you know life is tough sometimes? Yes, life is tough. I've had a funeral last week. I had a church member last week from the, from the German service. His brother was mountain climbing. He watched his best friend fall 1000 meters in front of his eyes. He came to church today. He was in the news and we had to comfort him. He's being comforted right now. Life is tough. Things happen, but God is always good even on the hardest day god is good but when we turn that around oh where were you god god you disappointed me then we get into trouble see not circumstances are good god is good god is good in mid in the middle of our circumstances and i want you to get your focus as we talk about the end coming near i want you to focus on three things that peter gives us he gives us three things Number one, pray stronger. See, it doesn't help anybody to have the best theology. We must be people who seek God, to pray stronger. In verse 7, it says, The end of all things is near, therefore be alert, and of a sober mind, so that you may pray. That's verse 7 that you may pray. Pray harder. Pray more fervently. Don't let anything keep you from prayer. By the way, the time is near. That does not mean the time is here. It's not here yet, but the time is near. It's coming. It is definitely coming. But what should we do knowing that? Freak out? No. Worry? No. Have fear? No. What should we do? Pray. Pray pray stronger and remember who wrote that what we're reading today who wrote that peter and what did peter hear in the garden of gethsemane when jesus was wrestling with death uh, sweating drops of blood and then he found his three closest friends including peter sleeping what do you say you could you not watch with me one hour And then he said in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. What should we do in these times more than ever? We should be people of prayer. Now, I know, I know, I know. This is always a topic where we get a little nervous. Why do we get nervous when we talk about prayer? Because most of us, let's be honest, are not very good at it. Let's be honest. I read a study that says the average Christian prays 45 seconds a day. The average Christian prays 45 seconds a day. That is less than five hours a year. Some people watch more television in one day than that. Some people watch more or are more on the internet in one day than they pray in an entire year 45 seconds is the average friends let's lift the average okay and i don't want to put guilt on you you say well it didn't work you already did (laughs) Uh, i don't want to put guilt on you really don't i'm also having trouble i'm i'm not i'm not the perfect in praying I have a problem in my Christian life. You know what my problem is in my Christian life? Me. Let's be honest. Sometimes we have a problem with ourselves. We have the flesh to deal with, with our we have our thoughts to deal with. And Jesus told the church at Ephesus in in Revelation 2:4 I know your works. You're doing great works. You have great teaching but one thing I have against you. You left your first love. You don't love me like you before, like you used to. So then he said, go back, return to the first love. Right, when we were on fire for the Lord, let's go back to our first love. Now, this is very important because we don't lose our first love we leave our first love see i had this conversation last week actually a couple days ago couple divorcing and you know what the 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 the, the grounds for divorce was we have kind of lived ourselves apart we've 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 drifted apart hey that happens right But is that a ground for divorce? No! Is is there grounds of divorce? Yes, there is. You're getting beaten up and you're in danger for your life and there is all kinds of immorality. You can can divorce. You don't have to. You can fix it and pray and, and forgive. You can, but you may have to leave. But drifting apart? Now, some of you have maybe heard of James Dobson. James Dobson is a a family expert and, and he's a Christian psychologist. And he says, if you go into a restaurant, you can actually, if you're uh, observing well, if you're perceptive, you can actually, if you look at the couples having dinner, you can actually see who is married and who's not (laughs) the married couples don't talk much anymore but the dating fresh couples they talk about everything when I met Christy I was 17 she was 15 we became a couple when she was 16 I was 18 and uh we were on the phone every night Now, don't tell anybody this this is crazy I was in Bible college, and she was still basically in high school, and we were on the telephone. Late 80s, this is 88, 89, 89, 1989. We were on the telephone, and phone calls were free in America then, locally, so it didn't cost anything. In Austria, we had actually big phone expenses, even locally, you paid at that time here. But in America, that was not the case, so we were on the phone at two in the morning you know that went like this today when she calls me hey honey are you done, are you done? <laughs> uh, i'll go now i'm you know two minutes and five seconds <laughs> but <laughs> till two in the morning for hours talking about what her cat her, her new dress uh you know anything and it was wonderful it was wonderful right love butterflies and so when So it happens with every relationship but it's not that we lose the first love we leave the first love we can go back we can draw back by doing what we've done before so um it's the same with prayer we seek god we we pray harder we pray stronger and we will return to our first love spending time with him If you're in love, you love to spend time with that person. If you're in love with God and when it dawns on you, you're actually getting to speak with the creator of all things every day, as much as you want. Now, I know people who would love to have a meeting with a very prominent person. You know, this super, super guru or very famous uh, prominent athlete. Some people pay money to meet that person, get to shake their hand and their autograph, and we get to go see, go talk to the God who created all things, the whole universe. So let's pray harder, let's pray stronger, let's pray fervently in these last days. Let's go to number two, love deeper. Now in verse eight and nine, it says, Peter tells us above all, underline that, underscore that, above all. So most importantly, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to, to one another without grumbling. See, love is our birthmark. In Romans 5.5, 5, paul tells us romans 5 chapter 5 verse 5 god has poured his love into our hearts he did it through the holy spirit whom he has given to us so when we become christians when we become christians we become jesus followers the holy spirit puts the love of god inside of us so don't say you have no more love left god has always enough love Let's return to that love. Love one another, love God. This is, the, this is the order. Love God, love one another amongst Christians, amongst brothers and sisters, and love the world and love the enemies. That's the order that we go. But this is very important because in John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you belong to me, that you belong to Jesus, if you have love for one another. It does not say the world will know we are Christians because we have the right theology. It does not say that the the world will know that we belong to him because we are perfect. It says they will know that we belong to Jesus because we have a love that is is The love of God inside of us. I can love people. I can love enemies. I can pray for them even though they hurt me. I can cover sins even though I've been hurt and wronged because of the love of God inside of me. And by this, the world will know he's a Jesus follower. She's a Jesus follower not by being perfect theologians let me just make sure you understand this let's understand this god does not judge us because we have our says you're you're good because you have perfect theology he's more concerned about our loveology about our loveology than our theology about loving others now of course we need truth and love truth without love is like a hammer it's hard. It can be mean. And Jesus had those people in his world that had theology. They had truth, but no love for people. And he called them what? Pharisees. They, they I mean, they, they were called Pharisees and he called them serpents and snakes and other nice things. <laughs> Jesus was not so nice to them. They had truth, but no love. And you can have love but no truth and you get into problems as well see if i love somebody i don't judge them i love them and i try to correct them in love i say look i love you no matter what but you know what that's not god's best for you the way you're living is not the way you should live it's not the best for you for your family for anybody so we need truth and Love and God is always truth and love, love and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth, mercy and truth, love and truth. It has to come together. Now, uh, back in the old days, when we were flying to the United States all the time, we still do actually, except Corona, you know, Uh, first summer, we didn't go to the States, so, but now you can only bring one bag, but there was a time back in the 90s and even in the early 2000s, I believe, you could bring two big suitcases. Do you remember those days? That's over, right? You have to pay extra. So, but we could bring two, I think 70 pounds a piece, now that it's 50 pounds in one bag. So we had always had big, 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 suitcases i I had to weigh them that they don't go over 70 pounds you know because you pay. then you pay so i like after the suitcase was full dad got to weigh them make sure they're under 70 or no more than 70. and i also got to carry them to the car you know to go to the airport you know we had to load the car and then go there and i noticed if i only had one suitcase it was better with two suitcases I could actually walk better with two suitcases, 70 pounds plus 70 pounds, than with one suitcase, you know. So, I'm a strong man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, And I thought about that. We, having two things, love and truth, is the way it's much better to walk. We need both. Not love, not just truth, but truth and love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, If I have the best message, if I can prophesy, I have not love. It's like making noise. Just making noise. So that's what love is all about. Uh, Helping people, covering sins, not uncovering everything. People think they have to uncover everything. And without grumbling. And hospitality, it says. It says in verse Nine offer hospitality. Do you know what hospitality actually means in the in the original text? It means love for strangers and back then they had to now open their houses. there was no there was some inns and some there was no holiday inn, but there was some inns, but it was expensive and it was not so so it was not so easy to come by so people opened their homes for traveling evangelists and missionaries to even to strangers, right? Like it says in Hebrews thirteen, verse two, some have entertained angels unaware. It says so. Angels actually look like human beings when they are on this earth, because because if, if I if you had wings, I would know it is even angel. <laughs> but they would they would take up angels in their home without knowing it. So it could it could be that you actually have uh, met an angel before without knowing it maybe a beggar somewhere on the street or maybe i don't know or a hitchhiker you took with it shouldn't do that but i'm just saying it could be that you know i've heard stories like that but that's not really the point the point is hospitality means love for stranger that's where we have the word hospital from Hosp- ho- hospital comes from the word hospitality So it means taking care of strangers. Okay? That's the love of God. So we protect with love. We give with love. And my question to all of us is how fervent is your love? Let's begin with your family, your children, your wife, your husband, and other members of your family. How fervent is your love? We should love the house of God, the people, the First our family, then the Christian brothers and sisters, and then the strangers and the unbelievers in the world. Love the world, love the people of the world like God loves the world. Okay, so number one, pray stronger. Number two, love deeper. And number three, serve, serve wiser. Now, what should we do with our time, living like no tomorrow? Pray, stronger, love, deeper, serve, wiser. Look at verse 10 and 11. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have. Underscore the word gift. Whatever gift you have. Received. From who do we, do we receive? From God. To serve Others, as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Now, these two verses talk about serving. Did you get that? Serving, and then it says with with god's grace in its various forms you've been gifted i've been gifted every one of us has a gift from god let me give you in these two verses five truths number one every christian has spiritual gifts number two the gifts are different your gifts are not my gifts and my gifts are not your gifts your gifts are needed they're needed Some sing, some play, some preach, some serve. Number four, some gifts are visible and some gifts are not visible, but all of them are important. Do you agree? Some of the body parts, and and Paul talks about the body of Christ, some body parts that we do not see or are smaller are actually more important. Like what will we do without the eyes? What will we do without hand, ears? And some of the, the organs are not seen, but they're so necessary. So some, some gifts are visible, some are invisible, but all are very important. God's grace in various forms, it's colorful. Everyone has a gift. Everyone should contribute that gift That God will be glorified, which means if you don't contribute your gift to the body of Christ in some way, Jesus cannot be glorified the way he could be if you were giving your gift, if you were contributing into the body of Christ. The body of Christ globally and the body of Christ as the local church as well. All gifts are needed. Let's say that together. All gifts are needed. So what should we do? in these last days. Pray stronger, love deeper, and serve wiser. Pray, love, and serve. Let's say that. Pray, love, and serve. Before we close, a word about serving. I don't know when that was, I mean, but I do remember, I was a, I was a little boy. Uh, Ronald Reagan. Some of you might remember Ronald Reagan. You know, Ronald Reagan, actually was shot at one time. He was shot. Uh, I forgot what year it was, but he was shot. And he was actually out of the office in the hospital for weeks, recovering. But you know what? The country continued. The country continued. And I want to compare that to a story I read about Philadelphia. They had a strike of the garbage... um, The garbage workers. All the garbage workers striked in Philadelphia. And it was a couple days and actually the newspapers were saying if the strike doesn't stop we'll have to shut down the city. The garbage workers all striked and if it continues we have to shut down the city. Now, who's more important? The president or the garbage workers? What's the... What's the truth? Both. Both. They're all important. The preacher is important and everyone serving is important. Behind the camera, in front of the camera, at the sound booth, whatever we do, it's all important. Now, um, this is so important because here's the truth. If I'm not here next week, I will be, by the way. But should I not? I think I will be. But should I not be here next week, there will be a preacher. We have enough preachers here that will preach, you know. They were all here in the first service, but but there will be preaching next week. There will be music next week. Even if Christy can't come, that we have people who can do the music. But if nobody comes for the camera, For the sound booth, if the whole department of the technical department doesn't show up, we will not have church as normal. We will not. We won't. We really won't. Because we have a strong online church and we have a strong uh, team that runs everything. If we, if I'm not here, church will be. There'll be worship and there'll be a preaching. But if none of the teams come, I don't even know how to turn on my microphone. I mean, I know how to switch it from left to right. But back there, I have no clue. I have no, you know, <laughs> I have no clue. The, the guy who was on the camera for the first time today, the, the first service, he knows more about what's going on back there than I do. And I've been preaching here for 20 years. So there will be church if I don't come. But there won't be church if the teams don't come. Do you understand? So just because something is visible does not mean it's more important. Of course, it's about the preaching of the word and the teaching. That's, that's what we, we do here, but it won't happen if everybody does not bring their gifts and talents in. So do we need that in these days? Of course we do. The body of Christ, there's the hand, there's the foot, there's the ear, there's the eye, different parts. And that's what we need. Pray stronger, love more deeply, serve wiser. So simple, isn't it? Would that be just revolutionary? If every Christian or more Christians, more Jesus followers will come to the point, hey, we do live in the last days. We don't know exactly how it's going to pan out. We know the end. It's awesome. The end is super. We, see, I read the last page of the Bible. It's fantastic. Up to that. It's not so fantastic. Many things. But we don't need to know everything. Let's pray stronger. Let's love deeper and let's serve wiser and what's the result jesus will be glorified through every part no matter who you are hallelujah father in heaven let us stand up thank you for your goodness and mercy thank you for your word the words of peter who was a wild guy. He was, you know, he he wore his heart on his sleeve. He always had his mouth open, and he was not perfect for sure. But you used him, and he fell asleep when he was supposed to pray. He <laughs> he cut off a guy's ear even when <laughs> when the, they came to, to 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 take you, Jesus. The guy was impetuous. He was much like us. In many ways and we identify with him and yet in his later years 30 years after walking with you on this earth he gives us this letter and also second Peter, these two awesome letters that help us in the times that we live in through persecution and in many things that we experience in this life and he gives us three simple things pray harder love deeper and serve wiser. We want to do that, Jesus. We want to pray more. We want to pray deep, uh, stronger, not religiously, but fervently, because we return to our first love and we want to love others as you loved us. And we want to also serve wiser. God, I thank you for the people here, the ones watching online, now or at a later time watching this video, I bless them and I pray, God, that you encourage them to pray stronger, love deeper, and serve wiser. God, we thank you and praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Man, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so happy that you're here. and so happy you were watching isn't that important what we heard today isn't that so important because there's so much stuff about end times and and revelations and apocalypse but we need to come back to what's really important that's to pray to God to love people and to serve the kingdom because we want to build God's kingdom. Because there will be a new kingdom of God on this planet. It's coming. It's not yet. But it will be. We're going to be here. in a, Maybe not tomorrow, but some tomorrow. When all, all tomorrows here end, we will be forever and ever with Him in a new heaven and new earth. That's our destiny. So in the meantime, we do what? Did you remember it? Pray stronger, love deeper, serve wiser. In Jesus' name, amen.